everybody. It's, it's Nathaniel Avila reporting from Dallas County, and we're here with with Ruby, uh, who's wearing my shirt, and uh, we're joined with Ace, reporting from I think also around the Dallas area, and we have the triumphant return of Serenity. Yay! Of our co-host Serenity. I'm back and I'm better. Okay. <laughs> How was rehab, Serenity? I'm still in it. What are you talking about? Welcome back, guys, to our um, quarantine episode nine. Because, like, damn, I didn't even think we were still gonna be involved in this pandemic. But I mean, here we are. So yeah, (laughs) we thought we were gonna have like three top. I know, right? Like now we're at nine. We might as well just keep it like this forever. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So what what are we doing first? So we are joined with Ace, um, and he is a filmmaker, right? Ace, Did filmmaker. Um, what else? I think um, I'm a recent graduate, very very recent <laughs> this semester, um, and so I'm right now just trying to get started in the industry and possibly go into independent filmmaking for writing and directing. How many job offers have you gotten? (laughs) I'm not that close yet. We're in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) I've been doing editing on the side, which is not directing or writing, but I've been, I've been doing contract work for editing. So you're an editor too. Yeah. Right. Okay. Simple stuff, though. It's I've been doing. I've been helping with um, conferences, so it's a lot of like, because everyone's still in pandemic mode, so it's a lot of like virtual conferences that I've been editing. All right. So I love editing. So love editing. So uh, <laughs> did you direct any short films this semester? I did. I had. Uh, um, I directed a, a fairly unique project because it was completely done without actors on screen and it was basically the project was called voicemail 83 it's still in editing but it basically tells the story of a lesbian couple during the aids crisis and their relationship and it's told completely through voicemails that they get over the course of a year and so i recorded basically all the voicemails over zoom and so one of my actresses was from new jersey so it's like we I never met her physically, but we did all that. And then separately, we filmed vid- visuals with my cinematographer, Sam Rankin. And so then we put that together. Mm. That's actually one of the cool things, I guess I'm going to say, I guess the silver lining of this pandemic is like everyone has like shifted gears and like they're doing new things that you know we've never even thought of before you know because mm-hmm. you have to figure it out and do something you know uh even more creatively so i think that's that's the silver lining that we got you I, know from this pandemic i had to direct well i had to do this quarantine film for class for graduate school and um and it was i did everything myself and it's supposed to be about a guy <laughs> trying to make it through the night while being having insomnia that's what i did yeah i I still haven't seen it but i saw that it was nominated for like a lot of um it's been getting into a lot of festivals right right that's right 
like one in India just recently. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The India, awesome. Yeah. One is, it was in India, one in Colorado Springs, and another one in Slovenia, I think. Wow. Yeah. And then you're going to be yeah. all over the world. You're international, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> then we have the this one that the uh the one that i did for about the pandemic that i made like in april like mm -hmm. in, no like in may uh which was all done virtually and that one got into four so far nice. all right well so today we are going to go over a particular set of studio movies um films whatever you want to call it what is it how do you say it ghibli ghibli I call them moving pictures. That's what I call them. Mine. <laughs> yeah, Studio Ghibli is usually what I go with. Studio okay, Ghibli. so we're going to talk about Studio Ghibli movies. Um, all of them are actually available on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty awesome. Um, but funny. before we yeah. get into that, um, Serenity is going to do her segment where she's just going to go over a couple of things that um, she wants to go over real quickly um that's kind of like important and things that are going around us it's also kind of funny because ghibli was actually owned by i in is owned in part by disney but i yeah, guess yeah. i forgot to mention that yeah it is right yeah How it did is. That happen? well it's a, it's pretty much like uh disney's anime division but uh for some reason they don't I guess there's they licensed it out to Warner, so now all of it's on HBO Max and not on Disney Plus. So I guess that's why. That's what I found a little a little interesting about that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I, I remember you mentioned um, Disney, but I didn't know how that all like came to be, and it, and it looks like most like their movies are you know old too. Like I didn't even know about these movies um so just recently oh yeah they've been like, doing the it that I, the one that i picked is from like the 80s and i didn't even know that yeah like they've been doing it since the 80s and they're still going strong which kind of makes sense because there was like something that i meant that i noticed in the movie uh my pick and i was like okay this has to do has something to do with like the year that it was made in you know so but we'll go into that later Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so first, I'm gonna go over some, um, I want to give some resources to where y'all can donate to help out local music venues because you know the music industry has been kind of down lately because oh, of the yeah. pandemic. A lot of people, like a lot of bands and stuff, haven't been able to have shows or anything so um that affects like so many people you know like not just the musicians the venues the crew everything you know like it has so many like people involved that are just like stuff like they're they're burdened right now yeah. really heavily and um we just want to give out something that can kind of help yeah so you can go to this um uh, uh instagram handle which is nivasoc and it's i can spell it out it's um at n-i-v-a-s-s-o-c so you, you guys can go there and there's a link there where you can donate to help out the local music venues um you can also search by the hashtag save our stages 
S A V E O U R S T A G E S. So you guys can go there, you know, donate, help out. Oh yeah, we'll do that. Another thing I wanted to talk about was, did you guys hear about the Saturn and Jupiter conjunction that happened yesterday? I mean, who hasn't? Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting astronomically. I was yeah. laughing because on Twitter they actually were trending with December 21st Twitter and they were saying that December 21st Twitter was way funnier than World War Three Twitter and like people were going back and forth on it and people on December 21st were being funny because they were like oh my god I got magic powers now like I can make people blind and all this dumb stuff you know they were just like making fun you know because this Twitter, Twitter's like that. There's like savages on there. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to explain and kind of like you know go into detail about what is actually what what it actually is, and you know what to kind of expect from like going forward, like going into the new year. Um, so basically, after that alignment oh. happened, um, we're basically gonna start shifting our conscious from three D to 5D, which means like everything that we've been striving towards and working on is going to become our physical reality. And I'm going to be on Stranger Things and I'm going to have like a big role. I'm sure yeah, yesterday was like a really, really good day to manifest because like, yeah, it's a good day to manifest. What is, this, what is this hippie BS that I'm hearing? Oh God, it's um, not be uh, rude towards <laughs> other people's beliefs, please. Fine. Sir, let us let us be spiritually awoken. You oh. are asleep. You are asleep. Yeah, sorry. I guess my third eye oh, isn't open yet. Okay, and then I want to just talk about the new stimulus package I got approved. I just got approved by Congress. Um, hang on, let me pull it up so I can. I'm gonna read. She's talking about the pennies that they decided to give us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um... $300 a week in federal unemployment for 11 weeks, um, $25 billion in rental assistance. Uh, the deal also keeps in place an eviction marauderum for some that mean marauderum. Let's pull up the dictionary. <laughs> Marad. We're all about learning here. Okay. Oh, a okay, temporary, so the temporary pro prohibition. Okay, prohibition. okay. So, six hundred dollars survival check for all documented residents earning up to documented residents. Documented. So it's like, if you're not documented, oh well, you're on your own. Crash. Um, and that's only for residents that are earning up to seventy-five thousand. So, like, what if you're those earning seventy-five and more will receive less. Those earning over ninety-nine thousand get nothing. Although there was people that did get. That. So for families, three hundred dollars. I will pay for adult and child, so a family of four. Two thousand four hundred, depending on their income. Yeah. So yeah. But the billionaires. Like that's. My point right there is like they're saying that the ones who make more are not um, are not gonna get anything. But the thing is, is that they already got some. Like Kanye West got like two to five million dollars, 
as a PPP loan. And then Joel Osteen um, got four million. Tom Brady got nine hundred and sixty thousand. So it's like we only get six hundred. Yay. <laughs> Also, I'm not eligible for the 600, which makes me sad. Oh my god! Yeah. So I'm not eligible for anything. Yeah, Ace, are you eligible? <laughs> she can't even. She can't even vote yet. So mm -hmm. that's it. Ace, are you eligible for the 600 dollars? I don't think so. Oh well, at least uh, they might as well just throw penny at us. Pennies at us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Let them eat cake. Yes, that is a thing that. Uh, that French queen said. Marie Antoinette. Yeah, Antoinette, who was a French queen. She which... was a queen. I did say that. I, just, I said she was a queen. <laughs> no, no, because we watch Mr. Peabody and Sherman over here. Yeah. Uh, like the film. <laughs> yeah. That's a good film. Did you watch? I love that They film. turned it into a. It was made by the same guy. Yeah. Did you watch? Do you, have you seen the series? It's boring. I haven't seen the series. Uh, the new one or the or the Rocky and Bullwinkle segment that it started off as. Oh, I guess I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, it started off as a Rocky and Bullwinkle segment, and then they made it and they made that film. It was made by the same guy who made The Lion King. So, oh, okay. That's mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I it looks completely different than The Lion King, but I I love it. Like the kids love it too. That's really we good. We like watching that one and um, Meet the Robinsons. Meet the Robinsons like, is another good film. Yeah, Meet the Robinsons is such mm -hmm. a good film. No cap. Okay, all right, so no all right, so Ghibli, who wants to go first? Well, let Ace go first. He's the guest. You want to go first, yeah. Ace? Sure. Are we just introducing our film and yeah, stuff? and talking about it. You can just give, like, a little, you know, whatever you want to talk about it, you know. All right, well, the film I picked, picked was Princess Mononoke. Um, it's it's fun fact about it. It was supposed to be his, um, Hayao Miyazaki, who's the director and had directed most of the Ghibli films, other than, like, the more recent ones. Um, it was supposed to be his, like, last film, and then he was going to retire, but then he came out of retirement to do Spirited Away in 2001. And then he retired. He, like, it, it was the start of, like, a long string of him being like, listen, this is my last movie. I'm retiring. And then he'd come back with another movie and be like, all right, I'm retiring. And then he'd come back with another. <laughs> I think he did that, like, four or five times. Yeah, um, this, this, this and guy then just... I think right now he's retired. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I think he's coming. I... But, yeah, so Princess yeah. Mononoke... Um, it's about this character named Ashitaka, who basically gets cursed by a dying boar god and is casted out of his village and is thrusted into in the middle of this war between humans and, like, mankind and nature, basically. And wow. so he's, like, right in the middle of kind of, like, a neutral party. And so he... It's a really, I really love it. It's one of his most violent films. It's not super violent, but it's still, compared to his other films, it's it's violent because he doesn't normally have a whole lot of violence. But it's also, it's, it's a super complex film, especially for an animated film. It has so many different themes. The visuals are absolutely amazing. And it's just, you have, you have something that, 
I think in general, a lot of firms don't have is you have all three types of conflict. And so you have man versus man, man versus nature and man versus self in this one film. And so it's just super, super complex. It's got dynamic characters and it's, and it's, it's also like none of the characters, like there's a clear antagonist or the clear protagonist, but none of the characters except maybe like one are very much like black and white. They're all gray. They're all like, this person's bad, but I see where they're coming from. Um. And, and so it's, it's a lot about greed too, of like greed of humans, which is a common theme in a lot of his films. You see it in Spirited Away too, which is his most well-known film. Um, and so you have like things like greed, war, uh, destruction of nature, environmentalism, stuff like that. But also it still has that theme of with a lot of his films of coming of age. It's still figuring yourself out. And so it's really just a, a good film. But it's also... What if I'm ever introducing someone to like the Studio Ghibli as a whole? I don't really start with this film because it's it's very complicated. It's not something like you watch and you're like, I understood that completely. I got every aspect. It's something that like the more times you watch, the more you're like, oh, I didn't notice that or stuff like that. But but it's well, one of my I favorite. I want to watch it. Yeah, just by, just by what you said right now, I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. No. It sounds like there's also magic involved. Mm-hmm. So that's also a common theme with his, because it hit um, magic and and uh, I hope y'all can't hear that. That my parents are are doing decided to start blending stuff for oh. some reason. Oh no, I can't hear anything. Oh. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so most of his films. I would say about half have a lot to do with like magic, but also not necessarily as we know it from a Western side, very much from a, a East, an Eastern like Japanese magic and Japanese lore, a lot of that. Cause I mean, it, it's a Japanese film, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, I feel like you have to also know a lot of his concepts and his themes to kind of fully enjoy it, which is why I normally don't, I tell people to start with that film. I normally like, I use Spirited Away as kind of like the gateway film of like, this is the most popular, this is in, generally enjoyable, not too serious. You can just have some fun with it, but it still has that like fantastical Japanese mythology element that you can have like fun with. Mm. I know that Spirited Away. And then after that, we go into more complicated films of his. Mm. I know that Spirited Away is considered to be the greatest anime film ever made. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I would say Spirited Away isn't one of my favorite, or like, I would say it's actually lower on my list, <sighs> just because it's still a great film, like, don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I still enjoy it, but I, I would argue that, like, Princess Mononoke or, like, Nausicaa in the Valley of Wind is are two of his best films. Mm. So I know we're, that- We're huge Harry Potter fans, so anything with magic, like- <laughs> Yeah, I'm a huge Harry Potter Yeah. So- Yeah, I... it's not the same kind of magic of like casting spells, but it's more like mythology 
magic in the sense that like you're in a realm where like gods exist and oh i love that yeah, me too. and stuff like that yeah cool. well i'm i'm huge on greek mythology too so if it's gods and stuff like that like i i love that really? who's your who's your favorite god in greek mythology ruby um i don't know i i mean i don't want to be a girl and be like Aphrodite. Um, <laughs> but I, I always like Athena. Athena? Athena. That's like the second yeah. one everyone says. But, yeah, but I, I really love the story of Medusa. You know, how she was once human and a beautiful, she was so vain. And they, you know, cursed her because of that. Medusa was uh, a monster. Yeah, Medusa wasn't a god, though. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, I love that story. Oh, okay. She was kind of like, I mean, she wasn't a god, but when she turned into a monster, she kind of became sort of in that realm of, like, you're different now, so you're not actually human, but, I mean, you're not a god either, so yeah. mythology. Yeah, but... But, so... yeah, if I had to choose the, the god, I would say, yeah. See. Okay. Um... Pretty sure Serenities is um what's the guy from the underworld? Hades. Hades. Yeah. That's Hades. her favorite. Why Hades? He's a king. Really? Because she's dark. I'm pretty sure he kidnapped a girl who liked somebody else but got really jealous and then he kidnapped her and made her. Was stay. it Persephone? It was, was Persephone. It was Persephone. Yeah. Cat named Persephone. She just misunderstood. He didn't want to be alone. Okay, I guess that excuses his actions. Yeah, it does not like He's a great character, okay? I do, He's a great yeah. character. I mean, yeah, I do like the fact that he named his dog Spot. That was really fun. Because yeah. that's what uh, Cerberus means in ancient Greek. It means Spot. It means Spot? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, Miyazaki, right, he was really big into nature. You, you see that in, in his numerous films. He's really big into that. Um, and I know that he came back and he made the film Howl's Moving Castle. Um, and I, he, Which is based on a book. It was based on a book. And he did that in response to uh, Bush Jr.'s invasion of Iraq. Because he was very mm -hmm. opposed to it. And so he made that film as in response to that decision. Miyazaki it, himself is very opposed to war. He, because he's an older man, so he grew up in war, especially as a Japanese man. He, you know, so he grew up in that kind of environment. He very much did, opposed it and was mm -hmm. clear about it. Oh yeah, Japan. Miyazaki sounds like a king. Have you? Japan is very has a very strong history of war. And there was there would be there was this time in Japanese history uh, where all where Japan was divided amongst various warlords and all the warlords were basically the top dogs of each thing and they were constantly fighting each other. Um, and uh, have you ever seen the documentary film The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness? Uh, no, that's about Miyazaki, the life and times of Miyazaki. So, so check check that out. It's a documentary about him. It came out in 2013, and I think they made another one more recently called The Neverending Man. But I was I would suggest watching The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. 
because that's really well if you um if you look into history like back in history all of that area over there in asia um back then was constant you know overthrowing you know like oh i'm in charge now no i'm in charge now and that's one of the reasons why islam was um a very big religion over there you know like years and years ago because one of the warlords who took over at that point became emperor and he loved the islam religion so much that he made everybody practice it and then that's how islam started coming over from asia to africa whenever they had the silk road and they would go along that route to trade and stuff from asia to africa yeah and that's how the religion of islam came over to africa so that's pretty cool okay that was very nice um but you are right there was a bunch of different dynasties it, it became so it became so uh done so much that the people especially in china they believed that it was just the cycle that's just how things would were that people would like this one person would come up and he would start his own what is known as a dynasty and things would be super great things would be super awesome and then oh no things are not that great anymore and then all of a sudden things would just people some other guy would come in overthrow that guy and then he would become the new emperor and start a new dynasty and then it would just go over do that over and over and over and again, over and, over again. and yep. the chinese people just thought just thought that was just how it was that was just the cycle that was just the cycle of of life and ooh, my package is coming. <laughs> so yeah, um, I ordered this uh, ghost face pendant. It's gonna be it's gonna be super great. Ooh. Oh my gosh, Nate, so cool! Are you, are you is that sincere, Serenity? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. It sounds. <laughs> okay. Were you kidding about being insincere? Or you're kidding that you were not. That I was being insincere. Okay. Even she just likes to mess with you. Huh? Yeah, I, I know. She's just like to mess with you. I know. It's okay because I mess with you guys a lot too. So, so like, um, I know that also Miyazaki is a really, he's really good friends with Lasseter, the founder of Pixar. Um, and I know that as a tribute to Miyazaki, uh, Last, um, they had Totoro as a character in Toy Story Three. Oh yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, I was sad that he wasn't in Toy Story Four. Um, in fact, hey. all the characters weren't in there in Toy Story Four. They just didn't do anything except for the only people, except for Woody, and Buzz. And that's it. And. They they had, they all had some like small roles like Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. They still did stuff. I don't know. They just really just hung out in that car though. I mean, it wasn't that much, right? Because the story had shifted. I mean, I don't want to go deep into Toy Story Four here, but yeah, the story was kind of like shifted outside of the home. Yeah, I know. And, and it was only focused on the main characters. I really enjoyed seeing Jordan and Peel. Um, you know, be those stuffed animals. Yeah, Jordan and Peel. You're right. Our, it... Their favorite character is Jordan and Peel. <laughs> no, like, I'm not saying they're my favorite. I'm saying, like, I enjoyed that we had that for comedic relief, you know, like yeah. that. 
my comedic side of them, yeah. you know, was there to just add a little, you know, bit of funny. And we're here with our guests Ace and Cohen and our friend Ru Ruby and Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, you meant to say Key. You meant to say Key and Peel, not Jordan and Peel. I mean, Keenan and Peel. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because <laughs> Keenan and Peel is that what you said? <laughs> I thought that was the name of their show. Yeah, it was called Key and Peel. There you go. That's what I was confusing it with. Yeah. Because you just said, because his name was Jordan Peel, and you just said Jordan, Jordan and Jordan Peel. Anthony that was just the name of one guy. Keegan. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, Keegan Michael Key. You know what I was talking about. Y'all know what I was talking about. Yeah. We also had Keanu Reeves as the Canadian Daredevil. Which was funny. Oh yeah, that was funny too. See, they they got some more you know people involved, so that's probably why they didn't have some of the old you know characters talking too much. Yeah, just don't expect it to be like Toy Story three, where everybody's gonna have a big role. It's it's mostly just Woody and Buzz. Um, it's still good. I still enjoyed it. I didn't think I was because I was like, oh my god, another Toy Story, but I I enjoyed it. I, I related it too. <laughs> I, I still, the way I view it is that it's going to be, it's the Toy Story trilogy, right? Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. That's the trilogy. Yeah. And then we have Toy Story 4, which is more like the epilogue to the Toy Story trilogy. But moving on, you want to go next? No, you got you can go next, Ruby, and then I'll go after you. You sure? Yeah. Okay. You didn't just go? I thought he had just went. That's not his Studio Ghibli movie. He's Toy Story into Four. Toy Story. <laughs> okay, so the um, Studio Ghibli movie that I chose is Kiki's Delivery Service, and this is old. This was in 1989. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I want to say it's too old. I was born in '87, but whatever. Um, I just I really like this film and um I just happened to watch it because the kids were watching um what what, what were y'all watching? Y'all were watching something else and then I just put it on um to see if my um four year old would like it and she really loved it and I was like, you know, involved in it too because I was like, Wow, I love this because it is also a coming of age movie. Um, you know, for a young girl, um, she's not just any girl, she's a witch. So I'm all about that. Like I said, I'm all about magic, witches and vampires and whatever, I, all of it. Like, I just love all of that. Right. Um, so it really intrigued me at that point. Um, you know, also because it doesn't seem like people there in the film have, um, that, reaction that you normally think people would have when they see a witch or talking about a witch you know normally people would be like well here in the u.s i know people would be like oh my god a witch you know like i'm scared and stuff like that so in this film everyone was really welcoming and it's like it was like just you know something that people were at that point in time like there was just people some people who were witches um so i really like that i mean it has a talking cat. I mean, of course, I love that. Um, it has adventure. Um, you know, it has a little bit of humor in it. Um, at the end, she, like, becomes a whole-ass hero. So it's like, you know, 
girls being heroes is another thing, you know, that I love to see in films. Um, I also think they kind of hinted that they were like inventing or trying to invent the the airplane, like at the end with that little boy. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, I don't know if they were trying to hint at that, like that they were just, you know, that was like the beginning of the invention of, you know, people trying to invent the airplane. Because like uh, I said, this was back then. Um, I'm pretty sure it was invented by the Wright brothers in North Carolina. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I know it was invented by the Wright brothers, but if you see how they're showing this little boy, how he's trying to, like, use his bike to take off, and then at the end he builds, like, a whole thing that looks exactly like what the Wright brothers first built. Um, that's why it kind of, like, uh, made yeah. me think. It's also in the film, it's flight is still a very new thing because in the film you have a zeppelin is or that's what it's called like the giant like blimp zeppelin yeah you have that as an aspect in it and so flight isn't a thing for the normal human in this world um and so and so you have that aspect of like kiki the witch who can fly and then this boy who i can't remember his name but the male main character um is kind of obsessed with flight and like trying to figure out how to fly himself yeah because they do introduce like a blimp and everybody's like losing their minds because they're like oh my god you know look at it and we're gonna go take a tour on i forgot what they called it the spirit it was called something this blimp was called the spirit of some i forgot what it was called but yeah, so yeah, ultimately they're all like intrigued with, with flight and Kiki being a witch, you know, everybody sees her just get on her broom and fly off. Everybody's like, oh, you know, like awesome. You know, I wish I could do that. Right. Um, so yeah, so I love the fact that people are actually amazed by these witches, by, by, by witches, you know, that exist in their world. Um, I also like to see that even as a young girl, like she's 13, she's so independent and so determined you know, so she's kind of like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to do what I came here to do. And I don't want anybody to, you know, take me off track from what I got to do. Um, so I really love that about her because she's she's young, you know, and you don't normally see that. And in the film, they will show like other girls, um, you know, that she passes by that are not witches. And they're just like normal, you know, human being girls. And they're just like all talking about a party or about a boy. And, you know, it's all these other things where Kiki, she has like more like important stuff that she's thinking about so i love that um it also makes for great ambience because it rains in the film like a couple times so i don't know about you but i love hearing just the sound of the rain um so I, i really like that a lot um the thing that i was talking about earlier when i said that it's probably because of the year that this film was made in or it may just be the location because I, I really don't know where it's set. Do you know where it's set? It's set in Japan. Mm, um, a lot of his films have European influence mm. um, and just like the architecture. So it's not always set in Japan. Um, oh. Sometimes it's just kind of like a vaguely looking European city. Oh, yeah. No. Um, let me see if I can find where it's set. Let me see. Service. I guess while you're looking that up, I can kind of talk about because you mentioned it being old, but you didn't realize it. I think part of the reason that a lot of his films don't feel 
like they don't you don't notice how old they are until you like start researching them and stuff or like something like in the music gives it away and you're like that's an old style music is because he he doesn't use cgi he he does studio ghibli until very recently did hand-drawn cells so like Princess Monomoke was probably one of his first films to use CGI, but only ten percent of it is CGI'd. Wow. Yeah, there's really in that film there's a hundred I have it written down. hundred and forty four thousand drawn cells for that film. Mm. Wow. Well this it said that it was set in Sweden. Sweden, okay. Yeah. And so that makes sense to me sort of, I'm not sure, but I'd have to start research a little bit more into it, but what I noticed is that I did not see not one POC. Like every single character was white. It's because they were in Sweden. So, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if that's just something that is a known thing over there in Sweden where there's no people of color at all. In 1900 Sweden, I don't think so. Okay. It, yeah, it's been pretty uncommon in Sweden, especially before if, if planes haven't been invented yet in that world. Yeah. Yeah, because it's supposed to take place around 1900, because yeah. that's when the Zeppelin was first in, was first invented. Um, so, yeah. I need to see where this other one is. What other one is? Um, the one that Serenity is going to talk about because I noticed the same thing for that one too but that one is made that one was made earlier and this one was set and she's going to talk about Ponyo no don't spoil it (laughs) I would say those because doesn't it take place in Japan so if it has Japanese people then those are POCs Yeah. yeah so that's what I was thinking too so this one was in Sweden, but Ponyo's was in Japan, so that makes sense. So those are POCs. Yeah, because he said it says here that Miyazaki um, inspired the location from uh, uh, Tana Tomo Noora, which is a seaside town in Japan. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, that movie is thronged. Like I'm just gonna say that about Ponyo, but. Serenity can go into hers. Um, when whenever you're done, if you want to go into yours, Nate, and then she so, can go after you. Yeah. So Kiki's delivery service. Do you think that it is about how a passion can become monotonous when it's done for work? What do you mean? Like how Kiki originally was really passionate about flying, but then she starts doing it as a job, and then it stops becoming enjoyable. Oh. Well, it's because that whole thing happens where she starts kind of, like, losing her powers. Yeah. Which I think was was pretty cool because I I actually didn't see that coming, that that was going to happen. And I didn't know if... I didn't know what what really was the cause of that. Um, So, yeah, I I guess that could be the reason why because she was doing the delivery service and she was overworking herself. And um, then she got sick because she was out doing a delivery while it was raining mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think it's yeah. also because, like you said, she's 13 years old. And while she has this independence, she's still a 13-year-old figuring things out. And so while I'm sure that was a factor, it's been a while since I've seen it. But I think a big part of her losing powers was her 
not knowing herself. Because in thir- when you're 13, you, you know, it's you don't really know who you are. And that was a big part of, like, who she is as a person and who, compared to other girls that she's seen, you know, because in the very beginning of it, when she's leaving home, she meets that other witch who's so snobby and so different. And it's kind of like, that wasn't her. And it was kind of like where the start of her of like, who am I? Where do I fall in this group? I don't really match with other girls my age. I don't dress like them. I don't look like them. But, you know, I have this passion. So who am I? And that kind of self-doubt is what made her lose her powers. And I'm sure part of it was doing it for a job. But I think the main thing is her doubting herself. Yeah, because they do show that. They do have several instances where she's kind of like, like I said, because it's a coming of age story and you can tell, like you can really tell that because she's kind of like, you know, like you said, still trying to figure out well, where do I fit in, you know? Like, you know, especially when that boy gets involved and that's ultimately, you know, how she gets her powers back is because she does actually care for that little boy and she goes and saves him. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. It was really, it was really adventurous. Like I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Okay, so let's go into our time machine. Are you ready? You ready, Ruby? Yeah. Are you ready, Serenity? No, you're not. Why? Why not? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Okay. Hey, so you ready to go? Sure. Yes, we're going back in time to 1939. <clears throat> I don't want to go to the 30s. 1939, not this one. Not where we're going. We're going to 1939 Japan. And so we're going to be talking about Miyazaki's final, I promise this time, final film as of right now, maybe. The Wind (laughs) Rises. So this... Yeah, The Wind Rises. So it's a film that looks into the real life uh, the real life journey of Jiro Horikoshi, who is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this film, uh, who is a man who designed Japanese fighter planes during World War II. So this film is, I don't know, I think this might be his first film, or his only film, first and only film, that actually is based off of a true story. Um, And so this is an actual historical drama about this guy. Um who all he wants to do is make airplanes. And despite, you know, being, uh, being, uh, 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 a plane designer for the Japanese Imperial Army during World War II, there's still that, that same anti-war rhetoric going on in this film about like how people, how he keeps on saying like, I don't want to start war. I just want to make planes. And stuff like that and he actually has this uh idolization um for this other guy named caproni who is another italian who is an italian airplane designer who designed airplanes for italy also during around that time and italy was also was uh allied with japan during world war ii with japan and the nazis so 
Japan fought with the Nazis during World War II, so it's basically kind of like that whole thing. Uh, so he would have these like visions with Caproni, who is played by Stanley Tucci in this film. Um, he would have visions of Caproni, who would basically be like his fantastical guide to the world of airplane making. And he would be like, you know, airplanes are for good things. They're not for war. That's why I make them for war. So, I don't know. But he, he did say, like, after the war, the, the war end, ends, he wanted to make uh, airplanes for commercial use. <laughs> for like for like traveling and stuff um but uh i don't know if he ever did in real life uh i know that he tried there's this there there's this uh prototype that he that is featured in the film with this giant uh plane with like a bunch of different wings on it and that's a that was a real thing i looked it up after after i saw it on the screen i looked it up and it's a real thing that he did um, but it didn't work. It failed. But it's a very interesting film seeing World War Two from the Japanese point of view because as Americans, a lot of our films depicting World War Two was from our standpoint. And it's very interesting to see it from a different perspective than what we're usually uh, accustomed to. Um, so yeah that's that's this film uh the wind the wind rises it's actually based off of a novel called the wind has risen by uh tatsuya hori so that one is also a really good film i mean a uh, really good novel that is based off of though um they don't really feature the war a lot they only briefly like mention it in passing a couple times uh like there was this one aspect where uh uh horikoshi was having like a little vision about caproni and he sees all these different planes coming out into the distance and then horikoshi is like where are they going and then caproni was like they're off to bomb an enemy city and <laughs> that's all we basically hear about it um then there was this other uh character where horikoshi is basically uh staying in this lodge with this girl that he kind of likes um who is played by emily blunt in this film her name is satomi and he uh meets this german guy who is played by Werner herzog and he's basically like oh did you hear uh, the the germans uh the nazi party is risen in germany and and stuff and he's like whoa that's insane so it's like stuff like that they only like talk about it the aspects of world war ii like in passing and then uh and then the german guy i don't remember his name but he says um he says you know one of these days japan is gonna blow up and i think that he's trying to foreshadow the bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki Huh? I was gonna say Hiroshima. Yeah, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, because they were bombed twice. Um, but the thing is, they never mention that. Like near the end 
um, uh, Horikoshi meets with Caproni, and he's all like, Caproni's like, so how are you feeling? And then he, and then Horikoshi was like, I don't know, I don't feel that great. And then Caproni was like, it's never great feel. It doesn't never feels great when you lose a war, and that's about it. That's the only time they mentioned that the World War Two was over. They never mentioned any of like the nukes or anything. Um, because I guess it's really just about Hirokoshi and his love for making planes. Um, mm -hmm. And there was this one scene where he goes to Nazi Germany because you know they want to collaborate or something, and um. You know, the, you basically see the blatant racism that the Nazis have for people that's not that are not white in the film because they they show they try to show his the like a German airplane like that and it was supposed to be like whoa it's so amazing you know stuff like that and it was also has this love story between Hirokoshi and Satomi who ends up getting sick and dying so. That's, that's it. Sad. It is sad. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the wind rises. Uh, what do you guys think? I don't know. I'm glad they don't show too much about that because I can only stand so much Nazi racism bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since I've seen it. I think I, I saw it in 2013, so I, I don't remember it a lot. It, it's still. I remember it being a good film. And I know there was, I was just looking it up while you were talking about it so I could remind myself. But it definitely, it, I mean, some of the news articles that popped up were like, oh, controversy. Um, but I agree that it's like, it's interest, interesting to see another perspective that's not just the American perspective mm -hmm. of World War Two. But I also know that it changes history a bit so it's not completely it's not factual in a sense mm -hmm. i'm sure there is some fact in it but it's not it's not meant to be like a super accurate bioptic of this person mm -hmm. i yeah. want to see it just alone for the um the other viewpoint you know just like you said everything that we've seen has always been from our side. So mm. I, I definitely would want to see it just to see that other perspective. Yeah, we mostly see it from the American perspective or maybe the uh, British perspective. Yeah. Um, and I remember there were like, there was like, the, they would be constantly be doing these uh, training to see like, how fast the plane can go and how far it can go and how many bombs it can do because that's what they were mostly doing they were trying to make bomber planes um so like once they finally got got that and was able to sell it to the japanese imperial army i think they were trying to indicate that those planes were eventually used to bomb pearl harbor but i'm not 100 sure yeah i'm I'm reading about it right now to see which part, but it's it's basically it talks a bit about his make like you know life making sense, but it it diverges with the truth with the romance plot, like mm -hmm. that whole romance plot. I mean, he might have romanced someone, but that specific one in the film 
is not real. Oh, okay. So he didn't get with uh, a 12-year-old girl who we met on a tr plane, on a train. Oh, my God. <laughs> they, I mean, that's they met. She was like eight years old, and they met while they were on a train. They didn't, They and then they were separated for a bit, and then they came back together when she was older. 12 years is older? No, I, no I, I, she was like in her 20s. Oh, okay. I was like, what? I was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> but she, she was like... When they met, well, we're like... talking about planes and the world war, world wars. Um, I found an found out something interesting um, just recently mm -hmm. about um, Russia's involvement. There was these women who got involved in the war, and it was just something that normally they wouldn't allow. Because they were like, you know, women in war, what are y'all going to do? You know, like that was the whole thing back then mm -hmm. in Russia. Um, but somehow, because the one of the leaders, um, one of the leaders from the girl squad or whatever, um, she like knew somebody in command, high in command who allowed it. And so she developed like a whole squad of just women who wanted to fight in the war and they were called night witches mm -hmm. um, because what they would do is they they were given these like old old planes that would make too much noise because of course they were like okay you're gonna fight in the war and y'all are women we're gonna give y'all whatever's left over right we're gonna give y'all the crappy stuff mm. so they gave them these crappy ass airplanes but they made it work so if you look into the Russian night witches they were these um, women who would go like would fly their planes deep into the trenches of the enemy lines and they would turn off the engine to the point where they would turn off the engines and they would like one of the other women well, while one was driving would be on like the side of the plane somehow like when they were getting closer and they would drop the bomb like that way like it, it's insane like i'm not explaining it in its entirety like the way that it's gonna like amaze you if you go out and look for it but definitely go look look at that but i know when i read it i was like holy shit these women are badass you know mm -hmm. thank goodness they were on our side yeah there it was it was crazy it was like a real it was crazy i i would never even like have the guts to do that like they're so brave if you were like in America, we we weren't that big on letting women be in the army either during yeah. that time. So what I know that what we ended up doing was we just let women make the bullets. Yeah, they stuff. would just work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you can make yeah. bullets. <laughs> just because we were on that subject. <laughs> Sandy, what are you doing? I don't know. Okay. So now Serenity, are you done, Nate? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, Serenity, you can talk about your. Oh my god! That was our dog. I don't see what's so funny. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about it too much, just because I don't have like much to say, and also I have like really bad speech problems. Um, so I'm just gonna like make it as simple as I can. Okay. Well, basically, it's not a simple movie at all. Okay, so basically, I'm talking about my movie that I chose was Ponyo. Have you guys seen Ponyo? Yeah, I've seen it. I watched it in theaters. 
I love Ponyo. It came out in 2009. Eight. Eight? 2008. Yeah. Eight. 2008. I'm sorry. That's embarrassing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I watched it for the first time when I was like probably like seven. And ever since then, it's just like always been, I guess it's like one of my childhood movies, you know? Um, the whole movie itself is like an acid trip. Like it literally feels like an acid trip. Um, especially at the beginning. That's what I was saying. Like they show the guy, like the magician at the end, at, in, like underneath the sea. And he's uh, like with all these psychedelic colors and like putting all this stuff in the sea. And I'm like, what am I watching? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, so it, yeah. really, it really does feel like an acid trip. But like uh, basically like to sum it up, it's just about a fish who wants to be a human because of how much she she loved this boy, you know, that um that wants or he he found her when she was a fish and like after she met him and you know they got to spend time together or whatever, she just like you know, she fell in love with him. Not I don't think too much in a romantic way, more like in a platonic way. Um just because the boy is like uh, I think he's like ten, ten or eleven. He's he's really young, so um the movie just shows, you know, how um like how much or uh, the links you would go to, you know, for her, you know, like showing how much like they really they both care about each other. Mm. Now this <laughs> this film was actually loosely based off of the Hans Christian Andersen tale, The Little Mermaid. Um, really? Yeah. I think that I that, makes, that. that that makes sense. Um, because she's like basically the fish is like magic i guess i should say because the dad is not all that human either because he said he, there's this one part where he's like when i was a human you know so it lets you it kind of makes you feel like okay so he's not a human anymore and then he has these elixirs and stuff like that yeah. and um the fish ponyo gets into the elixirs and she starts like um evolving like a human yeah she meets with this human boy she just like you know is all in love with him and she wants to you know stay with him and she's like i want to be a human too and she like makes that happen herself mm -hmm. you know like she like can magically like evolve on her own yeah. and um i just think it's kind of sus because i'm like they make it seem like it's in a romantic kind of way yeah because they're like the, whenever the the dad like the the magician or whatever um, um talks with that's matt damon who that's matt damon he his name I is Koichi. Was liam, liam neeson no it was it was it was matt damon his his name is koichi are you serious yes i'm serious um, he did not sound like matt damon he sounded like liam neeson that's the thing sometimes like they direct these the English voice actors to sound like as deep as possible. Well, no, it's because I saw his name in the credits. And like at the beginning, they, which is another crazy thing, because they have a bunch of, um, you know, um, celebrities in this. Like um, Betty White is in it. Um, Noah Cyrus. Miley Noah Cyrus, Cyrus plays um, Ponyo. And then we got Frankie Jonas as Sosuke. Yeah, and then Liam Neeson. So who was Liam Neeson then? Oh yeah, his he was a uh, Fuji Fujimoto. Um, That's the dad. Yeah, isn't like, it? yeah, I got it confused. Okay. But Matt Damon so, yeah. is in this film. He plays this guy named Koichi. 
but <laughs> I got them confused. Yeah, well, like when he, what, what I was gonna say is that whenever he talks to Mother Nature, who's supposed to be like the mom of Ponyo or whatever, she makes it seem like, oh, well, let's see if they stand the test of love, and if his love is true, then let her stay as a human. So I was like, how do they even figure that mm. at that age? She says it's not. What do you, What did you guys think? Because I, I thought it was that sounds, romantic. That sounds romantic to me. I don't think so. What I'm, do you think, Ace? If, 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 I don't know. I, it's been the... Pony was probably... I hope I don't offend Serenity with this. It's probably one of my least favorite films <laughs> that I've seen. It's um, okay. Just because of like while you, what y'all were explaining in the beginning of like it just feels like an acid trip. I, it's been so long since I've seen it, but I remember when I saw, it, I was like, "What? What the fuck is this film?" Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. Um, um, but but I don't know. It did it did weird me out that it felt kind of romantic. I remember that, and like I guess it could be like because kids sometimes are like, "This is my," you know. They sometimes yeah. are like, I like this person. This is my boyfriend, girlfriend. We're dating. You know, it, it's like, it's it's not like it's an unheard of thing, but it's still like, it was still very much strange. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said, like, I have my reservations about this movie because I was like you, like, um, in some some areas, like some parts of the movie, I'd be like, what? And there was this one part where I was laughing my ass off because the mom is driving, but she's driving like a freaking NASCAR racer, and she's like going around these like sharp turns, and I was like, oh my god, like I would be shitting my pants like in the passenger side. <laughs> it was like raining at one point too, and there's like this big old tsunami, and they're like clearly telling her like there's people there who are like shutting stuff down, and they're like, you can't go this way, and she's like, I gotta get home and she's going like straight up in the water like with her car and <laughs> what is going on so it's it's a it's a trip yeah. like it's a yeah it's a strange movie oh, yeah so, I thought so, too. so the but. the mom's name is fujin that's her name yeah that she's supposed to be like mother nature though right pretty much yeah she's played that's by mona marshall that's who she's played by Oh, also, so speaking of, like, all the actors that were involved in that movie, there's also this other act, well, she's, like a, she's, like a, she's more of an influencer, but she also makes her own music. She she has, like, her own... Even a band. Yeah, she's, she's a, a mu musician. Musician, and she actually... I don't want to say that. Um, she's, a, she's an influencer on Instagram. Her name is Jennifer Rose, and she plays the... Um, Little bratty girl, <laughs> I forgot what her name. The one was. that doesn't like Ponyo. Yeah, the, yeah. She likes that little boy. She likes Sosuke, and you know when she's like Sosuke, Sosuke, look at my new dress and all that. That's her. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's that little girl. Yeah. And she, also, um, throughout the movie, I noticed that they put some angel numbers in there, like on. The mom's license plate, the numbers read 333, which is an angel number. And normally those angel numbers uh, mean that, like, your ascended masters are guiding you, like, um, on whatever it is that you're going through or, like, working on. 
And I believe that because that car was definitely where that needed to be. <laughs> she was driving that shit like a speed demon. Like, what? It was, her name yeah. was uh, Kumiko. That was her name. Yeah. I was, and I was laughing too because at one point where she was like, um, it was like all like, you know, after the tsunami or whatever was happening, they were at home. And she's like, I have to go help these other people. And she tells Soske, she's like, but you stay here and you stay here with Ponyo. And it's just those two little kids, you know, staying at home by themselves. And I'm like, what? How, how old are they? It might be like a... Yeah, then they go on a whole ass adventure themselves. Like, it's it's crazy. That might be a cultural disconnect. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely interesting and intriguing if you want to freaking go for, a, like, a trip. Like, yeah. definitely watch. Yeah, take some food before you watch it. Yeah, if you want to watch uh, a romance between an infant and a preteen. Whatever, child. I don't know. Like, when Fujin says, you know, we should, they should see if they could do love because they're capable of understanding that. I don't know. I don't know. I think it also could have been, like, the love of friendship, too. But oh. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what Serenity's saying. Yeah, I totally see it. it just from what I remember it, it felt like it didn't really hit with that of like because I I'm very much all for like friendship over just romance because it's everything is romance so and so that was probably what they were going for assuming but meaning yeah, like I remember it just being like off you could take care of her meaning like he would take care of her always right like whether it was romantically or friendship wise, mm -hmm. so yeah. So yeah, anyways, I'm done. <laughs> okay. So I have some honorable mentions. Uh, All right. There's some. There's a film called The Tale of Princess Kaguya, where Kaguya is played by Chloe Grace Moretz, and yes. Oh, okay. I love her. Yes. What is it called? The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Okay. And it's, it's based on a the fictional. Other one. It's based on the fictional prose narrative called "The Tale of the Bamboo Cutter," which is an old Japanese folklore tale. So it's about this uh, girl who was found in a stock of bamboo, and he was she was found by a bamboo cutter who was played by James Kahn and his wife, and then the tiny girl girl grows rapidly into an exquisite young lady. So the mysterious young princess enthralls all who encounter her, but ultimately she must confront her fate, the punishment for her crime. Ooh. That sounds like nice and scary at the same time. Yeah, it's a really great film. It's a film about like wealth distribution, elitism, classism, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's about by a guy named Isao Takahata. Um, my other... Uh, honorable mention is a film by uh hiromasa yanabayashi who ended up leaving ghibli and founding his own studio um called he made this film based on a no novel by joan g robinson called when marnie was there um oh that's the one you wanted me to see i have to see that one too yeah it's by uh um it's starring Haley steinfeld yeah, Haley like, Steinfeld. Oh, yeah, oh my God. sorry, Haley Steinfeld and uh, Kiernan Shipka. What? Yeah, both of them you are in it. Oh my God! 
those yeah. are like two queens. Yep, both of them are in it. Um, Erin Shipka, oh my gosh. Yes, Sabrina herself. So do, and it's about um, Sasaki, who is played by Haley Steinfeld because, uh, and her character has asthma. And because she has asthma, she went to stay with relatives of her guardian in the Japanese countryside. And she likes to be alone sketching. And then she befriends the mysterious blonde Marnie, who is played by Kiernan Shipka. Mm -hmm. And it's about their relationship. Is it a romantic relationship between two women, two girls? I don't know. Maybe. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. I don't know. It could be. They're oddly mm-hmm. intimate with each other, according to the trailers and marketing material. <laughs> but yeah, those are the two ones I, I would suggest. Um, so Ace... Those are very good ones. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. So Ace, do you have any other suggestions from like uh, honorable mentions for Studio Ghibli? I would say if, you're, if you haven't seen any Studio Ghibli films, if you're wanting to go for the Hayao Miyazaki aesthetic, then I would start with like Spirited Away. I think that's a good gateway film into his type of types of films. That it's not that film's not overly complicated, but it still immerses you in that that environment of Japanese mythology and Japanese lore, and gives you that like coming of age film and stuff. And so, if you're looking to start into it, I would say Spirited Away, and then after that, you can explore whichever direction if you're wanting to more lighthearted you can do like kiki's delivery service and the cat returns are both like lighthearted films and like how's moving castles lighthearted or if you're wanting to go in the more i wouldn't say darker but like more serious uh themes of like environmentalism then you can go to like princess mononoke or nausicaa in the valley of the wind oh grave of the fireflies that's also really intense that's yeah that one that one's a sad one <laughs> that one's awesome grave of the fireflies grave of the fireflies it's, okay. it's about world war Two, also yeah that one's not so much fantasy as it is just realism about what the effects of world war Two were on people and kids mm-hmm. so and these are all on hbo max yes too? the entire studio ghibli filmography is on hbo max so HBO can... max People, you gotta go get your subscription. You gotta get your if you're subscription, looking yeah. for Studio Ghibli that is completely like nothing, like none of the other Studio Ghibli films. There's Earth Sea that's on there that's based on a book or a graphic novel. I'm not sure which, but it's directed by I believe Miyazaki's son or grandson, Ooh. some relation to him. It's nothing like any of the other Studio Ghibli films, but it's still really interesting and really great art. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the thing about Miyazaki is that he just cannot retire. I guess it's, <laughs> it's I guess it's, uh, I guess it's because, like, he just got bored with retirement and decides to just come back. He just cannot let his mind I rest. I mean, I would never see myself quitting anything that I was so in love with, you know? Mm. I, I couldn't. Yeah. So that's but, probably what it is. Is he just I, yeah? He, I think a lot of like his like I'm retiring is just because it takes so long because he's so passionate about it and he's very much like a slave driver and like it has to be this way. 
I'm not going to take shortcuts. I'm not going to CGI everything. And so that's why after Princess Mononoke, he was like, I'm it. That's done. I'm retiring. Because I believe that film took three years to make. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Miyazaki is a, is a very strict purist in terms of animation. A lot of people quit studio. Like, a lot of people quit the the com- the production or company because he's just so strict. Yes, he believes like the the old way is the best way, and in some forms it is. So, yeah, that was Studio Ghibli, guys. Uh, before we move on, Ruby, what what shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a shirt that is from the Culebra um, clothing line that is designed by yours truly, Nathaniel Avila. Yes. Lives matter because they do. Yes. So Ace, I do. I did release um, uh, my own clothing brand. So if you want a shirt, check it out. Yeah, check it out. You can post the link in the description. Yeah. You know. Um, but before we go, I do have some amazing announcements. Um, so we did just launch today our holiday giveaway. So we partnered with um, a skincare brand that is um, black-owned. It's a black-owned business. It is um, also vegan. It's plant-based. And it's non-toxic products. And it's like skincare. So obviously, like it was a great opportunity for us to support a black-owned business. Also to give our followers and hopefully our new followers a little something, you know, for the holidays. Um, because you know, everybody needs a pick me up, you know, um, also like skincare is something that's like universal. So anybody, you know, can enter into this giveaway and especially now, you know, with everyone wearing our mask and freaking mask acne, like, oh, everybody's dealing with that. So this was just a great opportunity for us. And, um, I just, I hope that, um, you know, someone, um, gets a, a lucky chance to, you know, get in, involved with this um, skincare line, which is Aubrey Jael. I think that's how you say it. I hope I'm not saying it wrong. Um, but it'll be a $100 digital gift card. So that's going on right now. And we'll announce the winner on Christmas Day. And then also we have our merch, which is actually up and running. And our site, our spreadshirt.com site, is up and running and we'll be sharing that information on our instagram soon so be sure that you guys are following us on instagram at wacky underscore talkies and then also i will give out um ace's handle on ig it's at ace ace cowitz l-w-a-n one um and we want to thank you so much ace for joining I'm going to follow you right now. <laughs> I don't post that often. I'm really bad at keeping up with social media. Well, we want to keep up with you. We want to keep up with you, so it's fine. Whatever you put out and, um, you know, great things for you and your future. We're manifesting because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're working hard. So, so like, yeah, I want to give a little sneak peek of some new designs that I recently just commissioned for my uh clothing brand 
Uh, I'm gonna get. I just commissioned this one design, which is supposed to be of a Grim Reaper on a pale horse holding Texas in in Florida. Oh crap! Okay, let me see. Okay. I don't. It's not done yet. It's in the works. It's still being done. <laughs> okay. So if that's okay. something you're that interested in. That sounds crazy, though. That sounds crazy. Yeah, because I mean, Texas and Florida are doing terrible in terms of. Oh, we hate it here. We hate it here. <laughs> hate it here. But um, yeah, thanks again. This was a great, 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 great episode. We love these movies, so we're gonna go watch all the other ones now. <laughs> so, like Ace, would you recommend you watch the Studio Ghibli films like in order that they were released, or like the way that you suggested? I don't think you really have to, right? No, I mean, like, a lot of, like, because they have, like, almost all his stuff. And so they some they have some of the stuff that's just kind of, like, like, I think it's the uh, something, I don't know. They're, like, a lot of his older stuff isn't necessarily in the same themes. Like, his very first stuff, like, Meet the Yamatas, the Yamatos. And then you have another one that's, like, raccoons and it's very strange both of those are are not necessarily in the theme of, of a lot of the ghibli films so i wouldn't necessarily recommend starting there okay i would i would start with spirited away and just kind of explore from there sounds like a plan yeah you heard it here first that's the that's the the viewing pattern <laughs> all, right. all right that's that's wacky talkies for you uh, I've been Nathaniel Avila, Ruby Rodriguez. I've been yeah. Ruby Rodriguez. I don't exist. <laughs> and I'm Ace Cowan. Okay. Bye, everybody. Right. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Vision Podcast, home of Wacky Talkies, The Kingdom, Evil Exists, and many more.